0: Welcome to the Gift Podcast, weekly conversations on global travel trend lines. This episode comes to you in partnership with MasterCard. Today we're discussing how to create the smarter city for tourists and locals alike. From digital payments to data-driven transportation solutions to seamless travel, cities offer the ultimate platform for improving the quality of life for tens of millions of people. I'm joined by Hani Fam, a 20-year veteran of MasterCard and its president of Enterprise Partnerships, where he is focused on bringing the company's network, analytics, products, and solutions to areas outside of its traditional payment sphere. We're also joined by Seth Schultz, the Director for Research, Measurement, and Planning at C40 Cities Climate Leadership Group. C40 is a 10-year-old network of the world's megacities that are committed to addressing global climate change. I'm Skift co-founder Jason Clampett, sitting in for host Hannah Sampson. With me is Skift senior editor and smart cities groupie Greg Oates can you talk a bit about the the creation of c40 and and, and the goals
1: yeah yeah it's a, it's a, actually it's a fascinating story so c40 was um was really created by the mayor of london ken livingston at the time uh, and he was actually uh, at a dinner party with uh, former president bill clinton and kind of lamenting about climate change and the forces um that come to bear on cities cities are kind of really at the front lines of this so, you know, that's where all the population is and and when there is issues of extreme heat weather etc um, that's who feels the pressure. And, and actually, mayors are quite pragmatic. I mean, they're the ones who are responsible for getting garbage off the streets. And, you know, think about that stuff. But if you don't pick up the garbage for, you know, three, four days, you have an epidemic on your hand. There's rats. There's disease. It's you can't walk on the sidewalks. It's very pragmatic stuff. So it was very much kind of born out of that conversation and, and approach to things. And they said, well, why don't we help each other try to solve this? And the President, president Clinton got really excited about it. Said, if you're going to do that, I'll, I'll create an organization that, that backs it. So C40 was born out of the idea of 20, uh, with 20 of the world's largest cities working together. And they quickly realized that it would be more powerful. It was 20 from the global north and 20 from the global south. And that's where the name C40 came from. So it was initially launched with 40 cities. Now we have 83 cities and continuing to grow. But that's kind of how it came about. And uh, one of the things that's unique about C40 is that it's actually run by cities. It was created by cities and for cities. So we have a, a chair which is elected, which is Eduardo Pias of Rio de Janeiro right now. And we have a steering committee of 13 cities that are also elected from a regional basis. And the steering committee directly engages and works with uh, with the management team um, at the organization. So it's directly infused uh, in terms of our agenda and goals.
2: And then last year in Paris, you two came together and there was a formal partnership announced between MasterCard and C4. Yeah,
1: we did.
3: Um, we're really excited about it actually and uh, you know Seth was saying something earlier today that I, I really like and he was saying you know people have asked how to two companies that uh, or two organizations that you know it, prima facie looks so different how do you guys get on and what did you find in common and we've just found so much in common um with each other um you know we think they're at the pinnacle of thinking about climate change uh, the c40 and we are at the pinnacle of impact on society so you know we think about financial inclusion we think about safety and security we think about innovation a lot and cities for us is just um such a critical area. You know, the majority of the world's population lives in cities today, you know, three and a half billion people. And that number is set to go up by 70% in the next 40 years. There isn't a city in the world that isn't going to need to be actively, if they're not already thinking about climate change, thinking about the impact on infrastructure, thinking about transportation systems uh, and how they deal with that explosive growth that's already happening and is going to continue to happen at a terrific rate of knots.
1: Yeah, it's it's a really great point too, and and a lot of times, two people when they're just talking about or thinking about smart cities, they definitely think about it from a, a kind of a global north or kind of a wealthy city perspective, and it's just not the case. It's actually equally important in the global south and cities that are rapidly urbanizing. They don't have the existing infrastructure, but they need to do so. And do it rapidly in a, in a very intelligent way. Uh, and in, in global North it, cities, and kind of the wealthier cities, they're also grappling with this. As an example, North America, there's there's an annual report that that comes out, uh, and they kind of rate or grade the infrastructure. The U.S. has a D plus um, infrastructure hasn't been paid to uh, for a while in in even some of the pre existing cities. So it's an issue that is it is ubiquitous, and cities of all sizes and all economic statuses are equally kind of very interested in and in mindful of, of this issue.
3: You know, it's an interesting point that Seth makes um, about um, sort of the state that cities are in. And I think, you know, our, from our perspective, we kind of see them in three groups and it, it is regardless of whether they're in the north or south, whether they're emerging or not, we sort of think about them as cities that are have got greenfield operations. Um, think Doha, think, you know, many new cities that are forming around the world. And we see an opportunity for those cities to literally leapfrog a generation yes. of mistakes that have been made, <coughs> leapfrog a generation of old technology, leapfrog a generation of, um, you know, Um, carbon-positive activities in those cities. You know, to give you an interesting statistic, you know, in a lot of developed cities, actually in cities generally, 30% of traffic in most cities around the world is cars circling looking for a parking space. That means 30% of the carbon emission from vehicles in a city is people driving around looking for a parking space. We have the technology to make that phenomenon go away globally. Um, So that's one group of cities who are looking to leapfrog that. And we're seeing a lot of that activity in very pronounced ways because they're spending smart and they're doing things right from the get go. There's another group that are retrofitting um, stuff or adding Activities And that's where we see, you know, also much like the first group where we can show them how to do things the right way. For that second group, we can bring best practices to help them append to what they've already got. And then the third group are those who are wholesale saying, okay, I'm going to throw it all out and start again. London did that with its transportation system. New York's about to do that. A number of other cities, Athens did it last year and we did something with them. Um, so there's sort of in those three buckets. Um, <clears throat> these cities are not... You know, and particularly when you think about ur- urban mobility or transportation, which is the single biggest spend category in cities, um, smart cities are not cities where the poor drive cars; it's where the rich
0: catch public transport. So. Can you talk a, a bit about where your interests really intersect here? Because yeah. Mastercard Payments Company, you know, you like it when people pay for things. You know, don't necess- in, in theory you don't have to really care um, about people wasting, uh, you know, burning fuel well and for parking spaces. So can you talk a bit about why it just makes natural sense if it does? Yeah, no,
3: it does. But uh, I want to just go back on a couple of things um, you said. So first of all, we're a technology company that happens to have a payment business. Um, and, um, you know, I could give you stats all day long about that, you know, in terms of our network, you know, the fact that we have one of the world's largest, fastest networks, uh, those, that network can, uh, is not built to carry financial transactions. It can carry anything on the network. It can carry medical records. It can carry all sorts of things. It just so happens to carry a lot of financial transactions as well. Um, but we innovate in many, many different areas. So that's, that's one really important area. The second thing is we care deeply about, the communities and the environments that we live in. And that's not a platitude. I mean, we um, pioneered in um, in a big way the whole topic of financial inclusion. You know, half the world's population doesn't have access to basic financial services. That's not something that we're doing because of greed or because it benefits us. That's something because when you think about <clears throat> people without access to basic financial services, they're vulnerable they can't participate in society. They can't access services like much of the rest of the world, whether they're in cities or in rural areas. So we, we are obsessive about um, eradicating non-inclusion um, for people around the world, wherever they are. And you'd be shocked the level of non-inclusion um, even in developed countries in the world. When it comes to pollution, um, it's more than a social responsibility. Um, We have technology, we have innovations that can materially impact um, the rate at which we do care about people spewing out carbon emissions out of their cars because, you know, we live in the world like everybody else. We are socially responsible like, you know, many, you know, good corporate citizens are and we have something that we can contribute and make an impact and i think the c40 makes a great natural partner for us as you know setting that sort of north star in terms of thinking about climate change and um what best practices look like
1: and i'm so glad you were saying that stuff because we get we get asked similar questions like what's up with the partnership with mastercard like where did that come from and i I think it's just nobody kind of knows what you just so richly kind of explained. but i would add one other thing too that we were just mentioning before so, at the heart of what we do at C40, it's a peer-to-peer model of exchange and sharing. And that's the way we really see our, our role, not in necessarily teaching or lecturing or telling cities what to do. They've been at the forefront a lot of this innovation from, for, for decades. And part of the reason that we have the success that we've had is because of the leadership. Most cities are have more aggressive climate goals, agendas, and policies than their national governments do. And that's been the way for several decades. But at, this, at the heart of that, their cities are also their own entities they're almost like living beings and they evolve and they change and no one is exactly the like but they all share these very similar principles so uh in order for us to really help you know achieve what our mission is which is to accelerate and scale the amount of action being taken to reduce emissions we have to find processes frameworks and systems with which to connect and be very very thoughtful and efficient about how we do that so when we're connecting mumbai to portland there's a reason that we're doing that. We're not just getting together to have you know coffee and have an interesting conversation. It's because we've now created a system to analyze and understand the unique power that a city has over getting things done in terms of reducing emissions. So we've created these frameworks in order to, to create these exchanges. Another one is a common system to measure their greenhouse gas emissions. Up until five years ago, there was no common consistent methodology in the world in order to do that. And we created it. My point though, is that MasterCard this is exactly in, been in the business of this for 50 years. They've got a ubiquitous global product that has to be used and understood the same way everywhere you are. They're experts at, at exactly what we care about. And it's another kind of fundamental
2: reason why I think we're really excited about where we can take this partnership. So just let's put this into context for a bit because there has been some questions that we've heard. It's like, well, we love <clears throat> this idea about smart cities, but what does MasterCard have to do with this? But just what you've said now is super interesting because you're saying that MasterCard, what it really is, is a, is a network, it's a platform that happens to have a payment um, component. And you're saying that C40 is also a digital platform. It's a P2P network. So the idea of a platform, Platform now the rise of the digital platform economy is creating a playing field where people can come and share value, yeah. share knowledge. Yeah. That's what you yeah. guys are first yeah. and foremost. Yeah. And you're creating really this. Is. So now let's take this to the next level because now it comes from a point of messaging. So we understand that in this room. But the average consumer out there might not understand. You can't have a smart city without smart citizens, right? So there's this idea of now of how do you communicate that? So could you talk a little bit about um, brand messaging? Obviously, you've done some things with us. But just how are you going to educate the public about what you are, what your products and services are, how you're working together, and more importantly, you know, the the end result, the value proposition?
3: So I I think about it. I'll give you a very simple analogy, and then let's build on it. So, um, you know, we were, at, we were in Paris with uh, the folks from C40 at the at climate change um, summit, COP21. And um, there isn't a city in the world that wouldn't like to put, replace its bus fleet, as a, for instance, with electric buses. But what I think we heard a lot from cities and you guys have heard this for, yeah. you know, at C40 a lot longer than we have, we'd love to do it, but we, don't, we, we haven't got the money to do it. We can help them find the money in their existing p ls we can help them save the money. And I'll give you a very practical example. Most cities in the world today spend or lose 15% of the face value of fares in public transport, 15%. If you go to markets like India and others that are highly congested and evolving markets, that number is closer to 20. That means 20% of the revenue that the city should be collecting from fares in public transport is lost in the and network. And how is it lost? inefficiency distribution costs handling putting money in the machine to get the token theft breakage you name it all sorts of things we have done work and we've got living examples so if you think about london when london moved from its old closed infrastructure to an open standards based approach which we both love um, they saved and we worked with them to save half the cost of collecting fares so that's, if you think about a pyramid in the bottom layer, we can show a city how to save half of its costs around public transport. That's money that in the C40s dialogue with those cities can be distributed towards improvements in the city's um, uh, carbon reduction strategy, just as an example.
1: Yeah. And, and just a spot on, and I think to build on that and, and to, to your question, um, you, you do have to work very hard and, and cities are in the business of people. They are. It's a it's a conglomeration of people and you need to communicate to them. Um, my old boss, Rick Fedrizzi, who's a CEO of the U.S. Green Building Council, he had this line and he used to say, you know, a, a Prius and a Hummer are an engineered vehicles to, to get to do very different things and to get very different gas mileage. But you could drive the way you can drive them and operate them actually can yield almost the exact same gas mileage. So, it's it It's up to the individual on what you do and how you do it and why. So, you do need to articulate this. You do need to explain this. But there's also something that, which is an understanding how cities work and whether something needs to be kind of done by the individual or whether it's a passive policy. What's really interesting to us about, about MasterCard and that type of technology is is that is some of that becomes passive. You don't have to make a conscious decision. It's built into the systems that you're using. So it makes the decisions and the communications much easier to understand. And it simplifies it. And the the individual person who's having that experience, it's simpler for them. So this is where you can get some real successes. And I think part of the issues around smart cities, and I think the industry at large has been really tied around the axle to this. I can't stand that phrase, smart cities. What we're really talking about is is the practical side of, of things, which is cities are siloed. They're complex governance structures, there are bureaucracies, and they have different departments who have different budgets, who have different systems. And oftentimes those systems, hardware and software, don't even communicate to each other, to forget about the financial side of things. So, and the cost of, of implementing or, or retrofitting these systems are billions of dollars. And it'll take years and years to achieve. So, in a city that's looking at the, that type of hurdle, with those types of issues, and those types of costs, they become it be, the problem becomes intractable. What do you do? How do you do it? Where do you start? So, it's this. It's it's kind of collaboration with the private sector, with types of opportunities, technology systems that can leapfrog some of these challenges and hurdles that will change the game. It, 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 it that that is where. What what we're really talking about here. And that's when it gets very exciting and very enriching. And I think you you said it very well before. We're looking at how to leapfrog not just the the mistakes from the past, but the current situation and constant barriers that cities are are facing, while at the same time seeing a huge influx of people into those cities and an additional pressure onto those systems. So it can't wait. You have to figure out how to solve them now. And that's where we need a lot of outside of the box type of thinking.
3: You know, I really agree with uh, Seth's comment and I want to build on it because he's made a really great point.
1: It, the city
3: um, with its infrastructure has big hurdles to overcome. You said billions of dollars and I agree with you. Um, so, But there are cities that are making those decisions. They're few and far between. What we do is we build the interconnects between the cities and between the Um, solution providers and partners in those cities today. So if you think about companies like Cubic Systems out of San Diego, Cubic runs TFL in London. They run Sydney, they run Chicago, they run New York, who's about to replace their whole architecture. Um, (coughs) LA and a number of others. Masabi out of London, a strappy little startup very different end of the spectrum. They have a different technology. They're historically competitors. We've found a way to bring those partners together. Parkion in the parking space I mentioned earlier, you know, that example. Um, And what does that mean? That allows us to integrate these disparate systems in cities. So at the city level, one of two things can happen. The city says, okay, I've got religion. I'm going to go to this open platform and I'm going to use that. Another city will say, I just made an investment decision, good or bad. Let's not comment on that today. But I made an investment decision. I've got a depreciation curve that I've got to live with for some years to come. We can bridge those two things for them. Um, And that, that, that becomes very powerful. The C40 through its influence with cities is able to share that and say, if you're going to make a change, Think about it this way. If you need to make a change, here's options of how to think about that change. And more importantly, here's how you integrate these things. You know, one of the things we've done together and you know, what we've brought to market is a commitment to actually build a city's mobility best practices framework. So working together, um, we're actually gonna do that. So that's on the city side. And that manifests itself candidly in in three areas. at the top of that at, at the bottom is what I said earlier about saving money on fares that helps pay for stuff you know uh, yeah, critically that's important, important critically important um, at the top of the pyramid, um, we call it active demand management so uh, and I'll let me bring this to life for you today. Um, every transport system in the world is sized for the peak of peaks. If it doesn't work at the peak, it's broken. Um, we've done research that says if you're able to nudge five to 10% of the commuters off the peak to the left or the right, just by minutes, um, you can push the CapEx curve for a city out by two years. For a city like New York or London- It's huge. Or Mumbai or Delhi, the interest saving on that alone to the city is over $150 million a year. That's massive. That's net new money that wouldn't have been possible without even thinking about changes to the infrastructure. Yeah. Now, when you change the infrastructure, you get a multiplier effect. So that's at the city level. I think you know, one of the interesting things we should talk about is what what what's the consumer experience of this? You ask the yeah. question mm-hmm. about how we're going to tell the world. So the consumer experience, candidly for us, is how do I get you from A to B in the most efficient manner, respectful of your carbon footprint in the city, but really as a consumer, you you know we hope more and more people are enlightened to their carbon footprint, but really, if we can take the friction out of the system and get you from A to B through multiple modes of public transport efficiently, without you having to stop and say, I need a different ticket to get from Long Island Rail onto the subway, and I need something different to get in a cab, and I need something different to get on the bus. If we can take that friction out and make it easy for you to do that, that by itself is gonna make your life better. We all know what this feels like. This is an everyday phenomenon for for all of us. This is not a conceptual idea. Um, And the impact of that is going to be fundamentally a reduction in greenhouse gases and, and global warming.
0: You can hear the second part of this conversation about Smarter Cities next week, when we discuss bike share programs, smartphones as rail tickets, the death of the central business district and more.